Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 109. I'm going to keep this one short because I have to run to a gig in just a minute here. Um, today's guest is Jessica Hancock. I have been watching her work for several months. I can't remember exactly how I found her, um, but I I think I we have a mutual friend who maybe like, you know, uh, tagged her in something or, and I saw her work and just thought, wow, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. Um, she is a, an illustrator and a painter, but she's lately been doing these like really, really intricate, large scale works in, uh, buildings. Like, so, so murals and specifically she's been doing, um, like ceiling paintings. I feel like there's probably a specific word for that, that I don't know. Um, and she's just really cool. And um, I can't wait for you guys to hear from her and hear how she started her career as an artist kind of late in her life, which is, you know, one of my favorite kinds of stories to um, kind of remind us that creativity is something that we can kind of always claim, um, you know, especially if you identified creatively as a child um and then are kind of reclaiming it in your adulthood but also if you're kind of feeling for the first time in your adulthood that you you know have something to say and you have something that you want to try anyway just awesome stuff for my um own news there's nothing really except that uh the pre-orders for the hallowed wide are closed um to the public there are still some some little offers for those on my mailing list so if you're not already on there and you want to get the album a whole year early, um, join my mailing list. And in case you don't remember, the, the deal with the Hallowed Wide is that I am releasing the 12-song concept album. So it's kind of like one story, but I'm releasing the 12-song album as 12 singles over the next entire year. So track one is out. Track two is going to be coming out at the very end of October. And then I'll kind of skip the holidays and release track three in January and then, you know, one a month after that until October of 2022. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so anyway, if you want the entire album up front and you don't you don't want to wait a full year to get it, just join the mailing list. It's going to be the place where you get all of the little perks. Um, and I have some really gorgeous merch. Um, so, yeah, join the mailing list. Okay, but more importantly, I'm going to tell you about Jessica. Jessica Hancock graduated magna cum laude with a double major and bachelor of science degree in communication and art from Westminster College of Salt Lake City in 1998. Interested in the concepts of design and spatial relationships, her fine art tends to explore the idea of abstraction as it relates to aesthetic uniformity. Jessica's illustration style is unique and focused on the particular needs of her client and the project at hand. All of Jessica's art is executed clearly with strong line work and bold, pure color. Most of Jessica's illustration work is traditionally hand-drawn, then converted into high-resolution digital files, and all of Jessica's fine art is traditionally hand-drawn and painted using ink and watercolor. Um, and then Jessica's bio goes on to list all of her incredible accolades and awards and some of her specific projects. Um, and that is in the show notes. So you can scroll down wherever you're listening and read all of that. And you should, because she's done some really cool stuff. Okay, everybody, that's it for me today. I'm going to go head to my gig now. Um, and I will be back with you next week for now. Enjoy this interview with Jessica Hancock. 
Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Yeah, and then just if you want to move, just move the mic with you. Okay. Do you I have any questions it. before we start? I don't think so. Okay, great. I'm, I'm excited. Easy. This is great. I'm excited too. <laughs> I've been like, so I'm, I, my husband's always like, how do you find these people? And I just tell him like, I'm always just like looking. So I think, I think we have a couple of mutual friends who I've maybe interviewed before and, mm -hmm. you know, I'll kind of see like my friends, like commenting on other people's things and I'm like that looks really cool so <laughs> when I first kind of like um came across you on Facebook you were working on the mosque and and you're you're about to start another one right I am I yeah. am I've actually so got cool. three that are in the works oh right now gosh. well I want to ask you all about it but I was immediately just like oh my gosh I have to talk to her <laughs> <laughs> so I like to start with people though by kind of um talking about your creative development and starting from like kind of the beginning. So I'd love for you to tell me what you were like as a creative child. Like what were you kind of up to? Oh my goodness. I, that's been a long time since anyone's asked me about being a creative child. Um, <laughs> my, my mother would laugh at that as well. Um, I've always drawn. Yeah. Always, always. My mother has a degree in commercial illustration from Weber State. Cool. So uh, awesome. I've, I grew up around art. She never practiced professionally. Okay. Um, she, you know, graduated, has her degree, but then she got married and had yeah. a family and kind of went that route and was the stay-at-home mom. Cool. Um, but it made it really easy going through school, you know, when you had book report projects and right. things. I was always the one who, I didn't want to make the book. I wanted to make the poster. Totally. Or I, I wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, creatively that was pretty much how I started. And, you know, I didn't have the, the traditional encouragement. Oh, honey, that looks great. I had my mother's encouragement going, oh, that, that typography just doesn't work here. Let's oh, fix wow, it. Typography, and, wow. Yeah. So, so I was learning, you know, form and space and the function of wow. art, even from like third or fourth grade, cool. uh, which was great. And then, you know, How my mom you feel about that. Like, this is something that I'm always, so I, I, you know, I like to talk, to go back to the beginning because I think, you know, we all kind of know as like adult professional artists that, people are sometimes baffled by mm -hmm. like the fat, the simple fact that we do these jobs. And I think it's easy for people to assume that, you know, we all were kind of just destined for art, which is of course, usually fairly a ridiculous kind of thought most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. or, you know, depending on how you're thinking of it, but I'm so fascinated by artists who have parents who do art, you know, versus <laughs> artists who are kind of the first in their family. It's interesting. We end up in the same places, but like the beginnings of the stories feel different. Um, so having your mom have like actual constructive criticism for you, did you feel like inspired by that and kind of like, wow, I really can like learn and I can get better at this or was it pressure? Oh no, I, I, genuinely had someone who cared wow. not she didn't just love me she cared yeah. that the work that I was doing was the best that I could do and yeah. and it was really cool in this spec in the respect that 
you know, I, I could bring these projects home and have it be something as simple as mom, I need to make a poster for Charlotte's web. Yeah. You know, and, and my mom, you know, she'd like, you. okay, well, what does the book look like? You know, and she wanted to see what the illustrations were that were in the book that the whole class was reading. And then from there, the challenge that she would propose to me was, well, what does your teacher want you to do? Oh, well, she wants us to recreate the book cover. And my mom said, all right, well, you can do that two ways. You can recreate it how you want to, or you can completely recreate it exactly, you know, make it as perfect as you can to the actual book that you're using. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I would just go the route of, well, I don't, why would I want to redo somebody else's illustrations? These are, these are fabulous. But she did, she encouraged me to see that there were two different ways of going about things. And that it wasn't just, oh, well, the, the, the assignment at face value the teacher's yeah. expecting that I'm just going to recreate the book cover, right? you know, and there were times when I would bring in something that was, you know, a Charlotte's Web book cover and it looked entirely different yeah. from what we were like using in class. Illustration style and, and, and the cool. encouragement that I would get from my, from my teachers, you know, for bringing in something that wasn't what everybody else did yeah. was, was even an additional boost from what my mother gave me. Totally. So I had her support there at the house, but then at the school, you know, I was getting the praise from, from teachers going, oh my gosh, she didn't do what everybody else did. This is creative. She was, yeah, she actually did something different. And, but the challenge that that posed was that my teachers would often take me aside and say, did you do this? Yeah. Was this really your work or did somebody else do this for you? And that was always looking back kind of a, a slap in the face. As a young child, you don't you don't understand why someone would question whether what you did was yours. Totally. Because I don't think children inherently are out to copy someone else or to to take credit for someone else's work. You don't know right. that inherently. Right. And and to have a teacher come up to you and say, "Did you really do that?" Yeah. Or did somebody else do that for you? I think that was that was more harmful to me as an artist right. early on than having any kind of, you know, direct criticism yeah, from a family just member. Just the questioning of your yeah. own kind of integrity and worth. But but it gave me a chance to show my teachers. Yeah. Like that I really, cause like, I was like, yeah. okay, yeah, you know, you don't think I did this here. Give me that piece of paper and let yeah. me show you how I drew this spider or how right. I did this plant. And then Ugh. the teachers, you know, once, once I could show them that I'd done it yeah. myself, the questions all went away. Yeah. And those still actually kind of leaves you with a little yeah, it, icky. It did. Yeah. It, it makes your skin crawl and it still makes my skin crawl to this day. And when I hear, um, you know, I'm, I'm the oldest of five. So, you know, when my sisters would come home with similar stories, we're not all artistically, in, you know, the, the artistic level is not equal within yeah. my family. Yeah. I've got one sister who'll tell you she can't draw stick figures, <laughs> yeah. which is not true. Um, yeah. She draws beautiful stick it's figures. It's easy to say things like that when you have like siblings who do more. Yeah. yeah. I think my, I think um, people in my circle, I'm, I'm a professional musician, mm-hmm. are often saying things about how they can't sing in tune. And I'm like, of course you can. It's just... <laughs> I have a master's degree. So you yes. shouldn't compare it. You can yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so having having siblings come home and you know, they would actually get it in two different ways where their teachers, if they had had me before, would have the expectation oh. that the sibling could do what I did. Right. And then when the when the sibling didn't do that, the teacher was either okay with it. There, yeah. there was there was like there was like no there was a line of demarcation. It yeah. was either that's okay or Oh, 
there's no possible way that she could be Jessica's sister and not be able to do that. That's so stupid. And it's it is so stupid. It is like, stupid. <laughs> don't they know? I mean, they're around so many children. Like, shouldn't they be able to know that it's not like a... When you're an artist and you're recognized as having arti- like genuine artistic talent, people make assumptions that, I'm sure as a musician, people make yeah. assumptions that you can do certain things. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, people will come to me, you know, I, I, I can paint and I can draw and I've been blessed with the ability to paint and draw pretty much whatever I want in whatever medium I want. And I don't say that to boast. Yeah. That's just my That's gift. That's is. just my yeah. gift. Um, but I have a lot of friends who are very accomplished artists who will either be critical of me more out of, of. I don't want to say jealousy because that's not really what it is. Um, But I'll have people come to me and say, well, Jessica, I can do oil paints and I can do oil paints all day long. Why is it you can do oil paints and watercolors and acrylics and they all look the same and they all look, you know, great. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know why. I totally get that. I think it's, it's really similar with like vocal styles or composition styles. And I, I don't maybe get the same thing that you that you're getting, but I see it. I see it happening. I see, I see people, um, almost like measuring different, different types of expression. Like, so whether it's, you know, like a literal different medium or just a different like way of using your vocal instrument or being expressive as a singer or a composer or something, um, people kind of comparing those and like stacking them up and like, well, only if you can do all of them or only mm-hmm. if you can do maybe the hardest one, are you definitely, and I just feel like it's, it's such a waste, such a waste of like brain power to even <laughs> think about it like that. I, I get on one about that with my students a lot too. I wanted to ask you. So one thing that I talk about a lot with my guests is this, I think one of the things like, you know, in my kind of like theories about <laughs> what makes an artist or what, you know, is who can be an artist. I think one of the things that I think is important, more important than talent maybe is having this kind of sense of ownership that like, this is my work. I can have a vision for it. I can work on it. It means something. And it sounds like your mom helped you have that ownership really early, Mm -hmm. like feeling like I can get better at this. And like, this, this is my work, you know, (laughs) like versus like maybe just kind of a play. Um, cause you know, drawing can be play for a mm-hmm. lot of children. I'm sure it was also play for you, but having that extra element of like, I want this to be excellent and I want this to represent like my vision. Can you do, you, can you reflect on just maybe what that meant to you to have that kind of sense of ownership early? In your sure. Life? Sure. I mean, to have my mother, to have that support first and foremost was, was a huge help. I I, I can't stress enough how important it is as a parent that it's not enough to just support your child. Every parent wants to support their child, and most of them do, which is beautiful. But to be a parent and to see that your child, art is so subjective. Totally. So, so subjective. And as as a parent, I think it's, I mean, I'm a mother of two. So, you know, I, I can speak from my own experience here and neither of my children are artists. You know, they, they both have artistic ability. They yeah. can do it if they want to, mm-hmm. but neither of them have decided that that's what they want to do in life. And that's perfectly fine. Yeah. My daughter is in the Navy. She cool. went a direction that I never Amazing. dreamed in my, my wildest dreams. She wants to be a surgeon. 
And, and funny thing, and we can go back to it if you want to, but, you know, I wanted to be a surgeon for the longest time. Cool. You know, I went to the University of Utah for two years as a microbiology um, candidate with a pre-med, you know, emphasis. Yeah. Um, And then I had her. And I yeah. couldn't do it all. Right. So I, I changed schools and changed degrees. And I, and I have no regrets for that whatsoever. But, um, you know, she's a hospital corpsman. <clears throat> Excuse cool. me. And it's the morning. And yeah. Phlegm, and I have phlegm too. <laughs> sorry about that. But anyway, sorry, so listeners. She, yes, thank you. Sorry. <laughs> um, but at any rate, um, you know, she's a hospital corpsman. She wants to be a surgeon. She's on the Navy and the Marine track right now. Cool. And I just, I, I'm, I'm in awe of like her amazed. strength. Yeah. And I like to look back on that and think that I had something to do with it. And maybe I did. And and going back to your original question about what it is to have that kind of support, you know, artistically for me, I had that support in my mother and she, she helped me not only recognize my skill and encourage that skill, but then she also had the ability to provide guidance to that. And even as a parent, if you don't have that, that, innate skill to teach your child like you know okay I'm your mom and you know I don't know how to draw yeah but I can find people who could help you learn how to draw I can find people who could be mentors to you Mm. having that kind of guidance or at least that kind of support where someone would make the effort to help you do better even at a younger age is invaluable yeah completely invaluable I I didn't, I did not have those kinds of experiences as a child, which is why one reason why I'm so fascinated by people who do like, it's it's just interesting to me, you know, and I, I've done, this will be, I think episode like 110. So I've done a lot of these interviews and, um, you know, I, most of the people that I talk with had parents more like, it sounds like your mom, like Mm -hmm. who are really supportive. and, And like you said, like it's, it's more than kind of support. It's like, an extra kind of investment in who you are as a small person. Um, you know, seeing you as this small child as like a, an individual, you know, like (laughs) that feels really precious. But, um, I also frequently interview people who had very unsupportive parents who are like, why are you wasting your time with this? And it's just, I don't know. It, it never stops fascinating me how we kind of we end up in these same places like in these different ways which makes me think that this art thing whatever it is is pretty resilient Mm -hmm. um but that's really beautiful so can you would you mind just like articulating one more time like what it means to you like just as you know advice if there's any parents listening who are like i don't get it i don't know um what you think it means to like be supportive to a child that's a that's a young artist in particular i guess I think it's, I mean, so in my family, I'm the oldest of five, and my mother was the artist. My father was the businessman. My father was the one who didn't understand. He okay. was the one. So I, I got it both ways. Okay. Um, you know, my dad was the one who was like, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. You know, cause, because he didn't see it. He yeah. did, and that's because he didn't want to see it. It it wasn't his world. It wasn't how he was raised. It wasn't what he did. He didn't, I mean, he was in sales. Yeah. And, and. Why do you think he didn't want to see it? I think he saw that in order to be successful, you had to be a certain thing. You needed to be behind a desk on a phone. You know, you needed to be making relationships with people. You know, he would see me and my mother working on art when art is typically a very solitary thing. I mean, there are, there are professions where, you know, perhaps as a musician, you know, you need 
you need there is collaboration. You need the, for yeah, sure. you need the people that yeah. are making the music so that you can sing to it. You need, you know, as an artist, you know, there are some art professions where you know you're working in tandem with yeah, people. Like if you're- an animator or yeah, something. Yeah, if you're an animator you're or, or some team. muralists, you know, yeah. some muralists have teams of people that will work with them all at once. Mm. You know, my particular kind of art is not one where I typically need anybody to help me. Yeah. You know, I can sit down in front of a piece of paper or be looking at a 30-foot dome, you know, yeah. 50 feet off the ground. I don't need anybody to help me with that. I mean, yeah. the, the, like for this moss project that I worked on, the most help that I needed from anybody was getting the equipment from one room to another yeah. so that I don't hit the walls with it. Right, right, You know, right. and, and that yeah. was just, I could probably do it if I wanted to, but that was just me being chicken going... I don't want to be the one that breaks, you know, this $50 this piece of tile window. because yeah, I sure. turned the wheel wrong. Right, right, so right. it was easier to just, you know, call one of the other contractors over yeah. and say, yeah, hey, can you drive this thing, you know, over yeah. there yeah. for me, please? And just park it. And I can go up and down by myself. Yeah. And, and that was kind of how it worked. Yeah. And, um, yeah, but to back to your question, I'm sorry to be going no, around no, and about. It's normal. And also if yeah. I really want to talk about something, I'll bring you back to it. <laughs> so right, don't worry. All right, cool. Yeah. Um, you know, so having, having that parental support, having my mother there, and my father wasn't unsupportive. Yeah, he just, he didn't, just didn't see it. the future in it. That's why I was wondering, like, when you said, like, he didn't want to see it. I, I, I know what you mean. Like, I feel that. Mm-hmm. Like, I know, I, I know that person, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I am puzzled by it. <laughs> but yeah, I almost feel like it's like a cracking your mind open like that, like, like maybe a parent would have to do. Like maybe your dad would have had to have done to like see what you were doing it's very scary. (laughs) Like it's a very scary, risky thing to kind of be like, Oh, and then maybe it means, well, I could have done something different or like there are these other ways. And it, it, it is a, it's a tricky emotional thing to consider. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm wondering if you have advice for that, like for, I mean, obviously you're not that kind of a parent, but (laughs) if you have insight as a, as a person who had each kind of parent and as a person who is a parent, like if your child is lit up by something that you don't understand, like, you know, you don't have to keep, we don't have to keep talking about it. I think I just want to emphasize to the listener that I think that is an important thing to consider. It is an important thing to consider. And, and having had it both ways, you know, if you look at my career though, I, I found myself doing a lot of the things that my father thought I needed to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, have, I spent 22 years doing corporate America. I, I helped launch the Smith's Food and Drug Fresh Values Loyalty Program. That was one of my first jobs out of school. Wow. You know, so yeah. I, I, I did the business track. And I think part of that, you know, I worked for Nielsen. I worked for Gannett. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did database marketing, of all things, for the longest time. Wow. That's what paid the bills. And, and art was a hobby for me. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't until about 2013. Okay. When I decided that I wanted to make art, I mean, my kids were were doing their own thing. You know, my son had graduated high school. Um, you know, my, my husband is very, very supportive. He's he's a musician himself. Cool. You know, so he, um, you know, he's always been very independent and does his own thing. But once I was really kind of back to a place where I was myself, like I, I could do for yeah. me and I didn't have to do for too many other people. Sure. Um, you know, I, I 
found myself again. And I decided that I wanted to make art my life. And this was about the time that, you know, I, I was looking at being laid off from my job at, at Nielsen. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it was it was business things going on, mergers, acquisitions, all it that kind of stuff. It was a tough time period. It was. Yeah. It was. And, and, you know, being a number at a business was not mm-hmm. a good place to be. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they laid me off and I went and quickly got another job. It's not difficult, yeah. you know, if you've got some experience to go and, and jump from one thing to another, especially if you have a strong network, Yeah. which I think even as a child, you know, and as a parent, back to your original thing, you know, encouraging your child to make those connections and to realize the the value in friends and family kind of everything. and it, it is it is really I mean there is very much truth to you know it, it takes a village yeah but that village is very important to hold on to you know, you don't want to you know if you want to start throwing cliches out there you don't want to blow up bridges yeah. you know but there are some bridges that you'd need to not cross oh, after yes. a while I mean that's mm-hmm. there there is very healthy boundaries that you I think that's very important to yeah. teach people um you know, and I think in the generations that have come since, since my mom was born in 1972, you know, so I'm Gen X, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the generation that we work and we live and we die, yeah. you know, and that's pretty much how we are. Whereas, yeah. you know, my daughter and my son are part of generations where they were encouraged to stand up for themselves mm-hmm. and that there are boundaries and that there, you know, you don't have to work in that job just because you need a job. Right. You know, you should, you should do what makes you happy and you yeah. should do, you should do what gives you the lifestyle that you want. Yes. You know, I'm not saying that work's not important it's and that you're not going to get around it. 100%. But yeah, I've talked about this with a bunch of artists, yeah. but yeah, like we all, we all make decisions. Some people, like I, I wish that, that people who are not artists and who don't appreciate art would understand that a lot of artists are making the decisions that they that are really going to give them the best lifestyle that they can have. Yes. It doesn't mean that we don't have complaints and we don't think that our work should be valued more or, you know, whatever. And I think we're like, they're valid complaints. <laughs> but, you know, when you watch an artist, when you watch a person who could have gone to medical school, who had the grades to get into mm-hmm. medical, medical school or whatever, and they choose to be an artist who is in the gig economy making, you know, less money. I wish more people could kind of honor that choice and understand that the person making it, you know, most of the time I think really understood the the choice they were making Mm -hmm. and made that choice because it was the better choice for their kind of quality of life. It's a risk. And, and to take that, a lot of people are risk averse. Yeah, they really are. And and a lot of it is because they've been told if you want to be comfortable, if you yeah. want this kind of house or this kind yeah. of car, you need to do these certain things. Yeah. And it's not to say that an artist can't have this house or that right. car or these yeah. things. You may have to work for it a little yeah. bit harder or, a, or a little differently. Compromises or exactly. You have kids later or mm-hmm. you don't have kids or. Yeah. 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 And, and all of that stuff is perfectly acceptable. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, from a parental standpoint, encouraging your child to see that there are all of these different avenues and there are these different options and supporting that. Yeah. You know, when I was growing up, I remember my mother telling me how important it was to her to have grandchildren. And that put pressure on me to think that, okay, well, that means I have to get married and I have to have kids so that she can have grandchildren. And as I grew up, 
you know, and I was able to have more intelligent conversations with her. I've shared with her that pressure that that put on me. And she was like, oh, no, honey, that wasn't for you. That was just me talking out loud about the things that I thought I needed to have to be happy. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and and if I could go back and talk to my 13 year old self who had it drilled into her head, she thought that she had to do the mom kid thing so that I could make my mother happy and proud. Wow. You know, that's heavy stuff. It's very yeah. heavy. It's yeah. very heavy. And you look at how that kind of stuff influences what you do. Yes. It's huge. I get it. Yeah. So so being being that supportive parent means not just being there for your child and supporting your child, but it means being mindful yeah. of what you're telling your children. And, and if you say something, and, and then this is, it's, this is a huge, we could talk about this for I love it. Weeks. I think it's really important. It is very important, yeah. but it's, it's, there's a lot of pitfalls to this. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you need to be, you know, you need to not tell your children what your hopes and dreams are of as course, a, as a yeah. parent. That's not what I'm saying at all. You just need to be, if you're going to tell your kids, I want to be a grandma someday. Yeah. Make sure that your child understands. There's flexibility. That in there's that. huge flexibility. Yeah. Flexibility with a super giant capital F that's in red. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah. that it's not their responsibility to fulfill that dream for you. Yeah, yeah. And you like know? that's one example. And another example is like, you know, have money. Another example is, um, you know, just be the kind of person that like we're proud of. Yes. You know, that's a huge thing in my family. At least I feel that like not even just in my kind of immediate family, but in like kind of the family, you yeah. know, the kind of extended family. It's very, we as a people have a certain kind of job and we as a per- people have a certain kind of status. And, um, yeah, that is just, it's a ridiculous amount of pressure. But one thing that I, that I, I get obsessed with, like in these conversations. And one reason that I started this podcast is, I think we could use so much more creativity in the world just in thinking, like just in these kinds of things, like that's creativity to go Mm -hmm. like, well, like I think it's a creative thought to realize that, you know, your mom's desire for grandchildren is not necessarily on your shoulders. Like there is, you know, these are the, the way that we kind of pave our lives is like big picture creativity. And I think in order to, survive in as a professional artist you kind of have to spend time in that space and like learn that skill and I feel like sometimes if we as creative people can talk about how these these things that we're doing in our work and kind of in our lives how how we can apply them in these kind of bigger like well there are other perspectives there are other ways to think about it we could maybe avoid some of this pain that we have as (laughs) as people you know some of these kind of you know, we say art is subjective, but like success is also subjective. Oh, absolutely. Family is subjective. And, you know, yeah, I mean, there's, there's always like multiple ways to think about things. Um, how old were you when you decided to dive back into art and make that kind of a bigger part of your life? Well, when I was going through, so I mean, I've, 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 art has always been very, very important to me when I was going through school. So like, as I mentioned, you know, I was, I, I started out with microbiology. I was going to be a doctor yeah. and I, I never gave up the art. Well, I want to kind of connect I, I just, the dots. I'm just kind of wondering, like, I want to, I, I want to talk more about this span sure. in between, but like how, how old were you when you kind of left like corporate stuff? Oh goodness. Um, I mean, 
2013. I okay. mean, it's, it, it's, it's not been, not that long it's ago. not been that long ago. Um, you know, and I've always, I've always kept my art on the back burner. So yeah, up, up until that. I got to that point. So, you know, I, I went to the university of Utah for a couple of years, uh, was doing great. You know, I, I started, I had enough AP courses out of high school yeah. that, you know, I got to bypass my entire you know, freshman and sophomore years. Basically, I started out as a junior, uh, which was, was fantastic. Oh yeah, Can it was. I quickly, just ask about your teen years. I, I'd love to know, like, what your kind of how when like at the time that you were kind of leaving high school, mm-hmm. what was your creative identity like? Did you see yourself as an artist? Like, what did it mean to you? I'd love to kind of just hear about how your relationship with art and creativity, what happened to it during your teen years. During my teenage years, art was, I mean, I, I was in AP art. I, okay. I, you know, I, I drew pictures in my room. You know, it, it wasn't something that I went out and pursued. I didn't go to galleries with my family. I didn't, okay. I didn't do those things. It was really important in your childhood and part of your identity in your childhood. Did something like change? Like did something kind of, did, did the way you thought about it change between like your early childhood and your teens? my way so all right so that's kind of a loaded question yeah okay art was always (laughs) so art has always been and always will be who I am okay now there was a time between my years in high school and all the way up until the time when I decided I wanted to make art my life yeah where art was it it was a hobby it was it was something that when I had time, I would give myself that time to okay. make something. But nobody ever saw it. I didn't ever put it out there. Okay. It it lived in a portfolio that lived in my closet. And is that because you were kind of like taking more stock in like kind of your dad's advice? No. It okay. was it was purely a matter of of priority. Okay. So, you know, I I ended up going the corporate route because that's what paid the bills. Okay. So when I, so I graduated from high school in 91 Okay. and I graduated from Alta and my husband went there too. Yeah. It's a great yeah. school. It's a great yeah. school. Um, <laughs> but I, I graduated from Alta in 91 and I went, I immediately went to the university of Utah. I didn't take any time in between. So you graduate in June and I started yeah. that fall okay. and Everything was great for a couple of years. You know, I had a, I had my, my high school sweetheart was my boyfriend. I yeah. was, I was, he was down at Southern Utah University. I was still living at home and, um, he had the enviable position where he had a grandparent, grandparent that was well off enough that he's like, you can get into school, son. I'll get you, you know, room and board in the works. I cool. would have killed for that. Yeah. I would have killed for that. I was the oldest of five. My dad was. You know, if, if dad brought home a box of Twinkies, you know, he must have yeah. gotten a raise kind of thing, yeah. <clears throat> you know, where money was just a lot tighter in my household. Mm. So, um, you know, but I was work. I had a, I had a job. Yeah. I was going to school and that was pretty much my life. you were like a great student. I mean, having all these AP credits tells yeah, me you I, took it very seriously. I did. At, so at that point, I mean, all 18 year olds are very different, but it sounds like you were pretty, you were taking your life like very seriously. Too seriously. Yeah. Honestly, I I, I didn't, I didn't let myself have any fun. When I, when I look back at those years for me, I feel the same way. Yeah, Yeah. it it was, I mean, I I did have fun. I'm I'm not saying that, you know, I lived in my little closet, but, um, 
I, I didn't have, t- I didn't make time. You know, my friends are like, well, did you go to bars? Did you go You're to, did you go to clubs? Kind of, did you dance? Yeah. Did you go, did you go on any trips? Did you? Yeah. No. What, what was your mindset like at that time? Like, I'd love to just kind of get a snapshot of like, you know, I, I believe that kind of creativity doesn't like leave a person. So were you, you know, art wasn't a priority at that time, but like, what was your kind of goal? Like what, what was your mindset like at that time? I was honestly just trying to get out of my house and um, do well in school so I could get through that as quickly as possible, knowing that the the medical track that I was on was going to take me between eight and 10 years of my life before I could even get to the point where I could be Be, a doctor making and and, and, yeah, and and, and start being what I wanted to be. And about two years into it, um, you know, I had finally moved out of the house. I was engaged and uh, we got married and then my daughter came. Okay. And when, when you have kids, kids are expensive. Kids are time sucks. Kids, kids require your full attention. Yeah. And I was doing great in school and I was, I was on a good track, but you know, being out and on my own and just trying to be a wife and now a mom and, mm. you know, make my way in the world. You know, I had a crappy 1987 Chevrolet celebrity that I got secondhand. It was no yeah. government car. I mean, it was just, I, 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 I was just making, you know, just make, making I was getting through. by, I was yeah. getting by. And, um, with my daughter, you know, kids are, Oh, you know, they're cute and compact and things when they first come out, but about yeah. three or four months later and they start to need more. Yeah. I couldn't, I found that I couldn't, I couldn't do it all. I was yeah. not the superwoman that I hoped I would be. Yeah. And art was like nothing Yeah, during this period. I, I yeah. didn't, didn't think artistically, yeah. I didn't have time for any of that stuff okay. and it was all put away. And it really wasn't until my, uh, my ex and I, he's my ex-husband now. Okay. But my ex and I, um, you know, she was, she was one and my parents had moved to Indiana at that point. My dad had okay. a job opportunity that was one of those. You just, you couldn't, can't, it was too good to pass, pass up, up. Yeah. but being the oldest and married and out on my own, I was the only one he couldn't say, pack your things, we're leaving. Alone, yeah. So he left us here. So I had that yeah. going for me too, where Jeez. I had lost my support system was gone. I mean, they're there by phone, yeah, but they were gone really hard. And, um, his parents were divorced. His mom was remarried and living in San Francisco and his dad was up in Park City. Your grandpa. My, my, my yeah. Okay. My, yeah. My, my your, husband's your parents. Ex, okay, my okay. exes, my exes' parents. I wasn't parents. sure. I was like. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, sure no. if you're talking about your dad's parents. No. Or, yeah. No, okay. My exes' parents. Okay. I well, see. from, you speak of grandparents, you know, my grandparents, you know, I, I had a grandfather. Uh, my mother's father was still living. He was remarried after my grandmother had passed away from cancer. But my dad's parents were both deceased. Okay. I mean, my, my dad's parents. So it was a small circle. It was a very small circle. And to have that small circle move away yeah. really just kind of made things harder. Yeah, yeah. And art went even further away. Yeah. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, I'm, I'm working my, I, I never took a break. So I've had a job basically every day since I was 16. Yeah. And I've never given myself a chance to have a break. Yeah. And... Um, and I'm thankful for that in some respects. Um, there are a lot of other respects, you know, as I get older that I look back on that and say, I really wish I'd done this and this and that, but I can't, you can't redo it. Totally. So all I can do is, is, is move Move ahead. But at any rate, you know, so I've got this kid and she's the love of my life and my, my ex-husband's working hard. I'm working hard and we're doing our best by her. Art is not in the picture. 
And it really wasn't until she was old enough to go to elementary school. Okay. And, and I actually had some time back in the day where she's not there, he's not there, and it's just me, just a little bit. It was yeah. only like an hour or so. Mm-hmm. And I, I started painting again. And watercolor is my is my medium of choice if, if, you, if you let me yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, most of the projects that I work on these days don't want watercolor; they want acrylics. Yeah. But um, you know, so I, I started painting again. And my ex husband, it's not that he wasn't supportive of my art, but he was more like my father was when I was young, where he just didn't see didn't the path. He didn't value. see the path yeah. in it. He saw that it made me happy, yeah. and he saw that. But he saw that made me happy, like watching a TV show every Wednesday makes somebody happy. You know, it's not really the same thing. You're saying such important things. So, so it's, but what should he have seen? Like, can you articulate? Like, cause I know what you mean, but like, I wish he would have encouraged me to take it the next step. It's like, okay, you've got all these. It isn't a hobby. Like it's something a little, it's different. It's something like, I mean, to have somebody sit there and say, oh my gosh, Jessica, that's so good. Yeah. You know, your, your, your work is, is right up there with all these people that we see in magazines and stuff like that. He would say those things and it was supportive and it made me feel good, but there was no next. And so, and yeah, so, like, or yeah. let's do this yeah. or, or have you ever, not that he needed to do it, but have you ever thought about, you know, yeah. reaching out? He, I didn't get that. Yeah. And I wasn't even thinking about that stuff myself, yeah. which was my failure. You know, I was not giving myself the credit that my work deserved. Yeah. And yeah, that's so interesting, even though like that was kind of a lesson that you learned as a little girl, mm-hmm. it kind of like went away and had to come back. It did. And, and, you know, and, and it wasn't, it's not anyone, fault is not the right word. It's not anyone's fault yeah. that in those early, you know, my early twenties that, you know, I had all of this art. I mean, there were, my, my ex-husband would say, God, Jessica, we've got all of this stuff and there's no room to hang it all. Yeah. You know, I wish looking back that anybody, even myself included, yeah. anybody had said, Jessica, why don't you pack it up and go see the galleries that are downtown? Yeah. You know, go, go talk to it. any, go yeah. t- sell it, you know, find, yeah. you know, I'm sure your friends would love to buy it, sell it. And, yeah. and part of it too was, you know, I'm, I'm of an age where, you know, we were, we computers were there, but they weren't everything. They weren't growing up. Yeah. Yeah. You you didn't have a computer in your pocket and you didn't have laptops and things. So getting your work out there when I was in my early twenties is not nearly as easy as it is today where I I could have done it, you know, before breakfast this morning if I wanted to. Um, So that was definitely a hurdle that, you know, being, being the mom, the wife, the, the employee, yeah. you know, the, the mother and not having, you know, that, that ease of accessibility. Yeah. Um, if I'd had that, I probably would have been in an entirely different place now. Did you feel like you, like, did you, do you feel like you believed in your own work, but you, it was just like too scary? Like, or did you, did it, did it occur to you like I could sell this, but you were like, oh, I wouldn't, I can't like think of it. No. It just wasn't even. It just wasn't there. Wow. It just wasn't there at all. Yeah. You Which, just didn't even see it like that with mm-mm. your own eyes. No. And Jeez. it really wasn't until um, 
I was I was at the West I was at Westminster, which is where I got my I've got two degrees. I've got a degree in communications and a degree in art. Okay. And I actually had to make that degree in art. Westminster does not offer an art degree. Wow. They offer an arts administration degree, but not an art degree. Wow. And um, I was talking to the gentleman who was doing my my portfolio review. And, and he's like, well, he's sitting there looking at all of this work and the work that I did um, while I was at school. And, and he's like, Jessica, to get this double major, you know, is going to be a cakewalk for you. It's not, it's not going to take any effort and I can't not give it to you. And he's like, but there is so much here. What do you want to do with it when you're done? Yeah. And that was a question that he posed to me that I actually I sat there and looked. It was deer in the headlights. Yeah, I'm like, like, I don't know what I'm going to yeah. do with it. It was just my counselor was, said I'd be stupid not to. Back to school older? Or is this still... So when was this happening? So I graduated from Westminster in 1998. Okay. So this is your, your young. So this is still... I'm still... Yeah, okay. I'm still wow. on my So someone said that to you and you were still just like... Mm. Yeah, I, wow. I was still... I, I didn't see how good I was. And, and, and even today, to say that I'm good... It's hard for me to say. Yeah. And it's really ironic when you consider the work that I've been blessed to be able to do yeah. recently. I mean, I just went and decorated a church. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, your, like who gets to decorate a incredible. church? I mean, <laughs> I, I want you to like tell, tell the listener like all about that in a, in a minute. Cause sure. it's, it's, it's really pretty cool. <laughs> um, I had one other question. So during these years that you weren't doing art at all, did you feel like grief and loss about it or was it just like out of your mind? It was just out of my mind. Okay. I just, it just, it wasn't important. Wow. It, 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 to me, I, I always identified myself as an artist and art has always been important. It's, it's really, it's hard to articulate this yeah. feeling. It's me. It's who I am. It's who I am to the core. But there were these years basically between pretty much the time I turned 21, which is when I got married, I had my daughter at 23 graduated at 26, had my son at 28. I mean, I rammed most of my life yeah. into 10 years time yeah. and, you know, and I got two degrees and I'm working, you know, yeah. jobs that, that make my dad happy and that make, I mean, I, I found fulfillment in them, yeah. but I'm, I'm working the, the, the business job that, you know, pays the bills. Yeah. I, I, just, I was doing all the things that, you know, are on kind of an, on, on somebody else's yeah. adult checklist, you know, totally. in order to be a successful adult, you must do this and this and this yeah. and this. And I was busy checking boxes off. Yeah. And and I wasn't necessarily consciously checking boxes off. Yeah, yeah. But I was. I get it. But yeah. I was. And art was down here in the things I'd like to do checklist. Yeah. And so it still felt like part of your. It core. was still there. Yeah, it was still things I it wanted to do. Just like to I'm do. gonna do this eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Yeah. When okay. I have time again. So you thought about it, but it just wasn't. It wasn't like I need to be doing this now. It's like I'm going to do this. It wasn't recognized by me or by the people that were immediately around me as something that would help me get my family where it needed to be. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was, you know, because you, you start building a family and you've got the home concerns and the right. school concerns. And, you know, I, I wish people, those concerns are all valid, but I wish people could step back yeah. and assess those things before they're in the thick of it. That's the creativity that I'm talking about. Like just this extra little moment of perspective. Yeah. It is because if I, if I had allowed myself that perspective, you know, and because a lot of, a lot of me needing to be 
in corporate America and working the jobs that paid the bills and art does not pay the bills. That, that was the mentality right. is that I needed a job that paid the bills. I didn't give myself a chance to really sit back and say, what am I paying for? Right. I'm paying for things that are so far off in the future that may or may not, my kids may not want to go to college. Why right. am I busy saving a, a truckload of money hypothetical for totally. someone else's life? Yeah. Yes. I want to be the parent that can help my children get into, if they can get into a good school yeah. or any school, you yeah. know, it doesn't, good is subjective. It's right. all subjective. Totally. But if I, here I am saving like a miser for someone else's life. Yeah. And my daughter joined the Navy. Yeah. That's not college. The Navy anyway. doesn't need my yeah. money. You know, I, I was still there to help her. Yeah. I, I still, I she had better things and, and, and better opportunities when it came to housing and junk when she was going through boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, the Navy gave her everything she needed yeah, and they yeah. still do. Totally. You know, my son has decided that he doesn't want to go to college. Yeah. He would rather do a trade. Yeah. So he's, he's, it's, it's, he's being an apprentice right now. Cool. You know, but he yeah. doesn't need the money that, that. I think you're so right. Like, or I can't tell you how often I hear young people, like I teach, I teach at UVU. I used to teach at BYU. Um, and I so frequently hear young people who are single talk about like, well, I can't pursue this because I need to be able to provide for my family. And I'm always just like, what family? Like, yeah. <laughs> these are, I mean, I'm not sure, like you want to get married, but like, it is odd to make these kinds of decisions for like a future hypothetical. I mean, you just don't know. Like, yeah. and I just think, I even think, you know, I got married young too. I got married when I was 23. And um, yeah, I think I had very specific, it's not even so much that it's gender roles as much as it's just like, like these checklist things. But it struck me when my husband and I got married, like in the first maybe couple of years, I had a lot of moments of like, why am I doing this thing? He is better at it. Or like, why is he doing that thing? I am better at it. Yeah. You know? And like, it's just, it's just stupid and reckless. I think to be making decisions about a future where like the person in the future is a question mark. Exactly. Like, you just don't know what their skills are going to be. Yep. And your children are question marks and you don't know what their desires are going to be yep. or I don't know. I totally agree with you. Like, and if you start having more information, it, it's not to say you shouldn't plan for a future, but yeah, no, as, as a parent, it's important that you, that you have that, that forethought, yeah. but like you, know, you also can have forethought that maybe your kids don't want to go to college. Yes. Like those are both possibilities. That's okay. so, or yeah, exactly. And then so, if you had made all these sacrifices, to save for college and then your kids don't want to go to college, then you might feel resentful, which is not doing a service to your child in any way. No. So I, you know, no, and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't do me any service to, at all right. either as well. So there's not a perfect way to be cause we don't know. Yes. But I think kind of thinking that you do know, which is what I think a lot of people do. They think, they think they do know what their future is going to look like. The kind of hubris of that, is reckless as well. Like <laughs> that it's equally reckless, I think. I don't know. It's, no, I no, I agree with you. And yeah. I think it is a bit reckless. And I think it's it's emotionally destructive. Yeah. It's it's, it's manipulative. Even it's, if it, even if you're only manipulating and destroying yourself. Yes. I couldn't agree more. You know, yeah. it's it, it it is destructive and it hurts. Yeah. And you get to a point where, like you were saying, you know, 
oh my gosh, I've, I've saved up, you know, I'll just throw a fake number out here. I've saved up a hundred thousand dollars for my child and they're not going yeah. to use it. Yeah. You know, and like I, I could have spent that time. Exactly. I could have like gone being, to Italy with that. I could have, yeah. you know, there it's, there are so much that you, that you, it, it's, it's the what ifs yeah. and, and the, I should have, I could have, I would have yeah. that those things start to eat away at the happiness that is life in the moment if you allow it to be in the moment and that's something that as I've given myself back to art and as I've I've allowed myself to do creatively what I wish I could have gone back and done from day one yeah because if I if I you know this it's the it's the would have could have I'm just talking about if I could go back and say Jessica wake up yeah you know, your kids will be fine. Your kids yeah. will be loved. Yeah. You know, don't worry about that right now. When the time comes, if you work hard at it and you work, you know, and, and it's important to you, you'll figure it out. Total 100%. And that's the thing is that if it's important to you, you'll figure it out. And that's what I did with my art yeah. is I ended up getting to a point where my, my husband became my ex-husband and art was my saving grace. Yeah. That was, you know, so I gave myself heart and soul to my family and he had an affair with my best friend. I'm sorry. And, and that was a two, it was a two year thing. I mean, I'd say yeah. it's, it's been about 10 years now. So I, I, I don't cry about it when it's, I talk about it anymore, yeah. but it hurts. Yeah. And when he's your high school sweetheart and you're with him for 20 years and you find out that, you know, shortly after your father dies, that he started having an affair because you were too sad. God damn it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. it, it was, it was a, it was a cacophony of events yeah. and, and just emotions and, and malice. And I mean, it was just like, I'd lived a glorious life in my opinion up to this point. And then it was like the universe said, Shattering. but we have all this badness over here. We forgot to give you Ugh. here all of it at once. Yeah. And, and I mean, she was my best friend and yeah, you, you know it, it was it was too. just That's... not to not to take this podcast into a place where you know oh, Jessica gets ornery but people go there and I think it's perfect oh. I think it needs to happen I mean please go ahead but no yeah. but no so so you go through all of this stuff and and the family that you thought you had is not yeah and you've got two children who are watching their father choose someone else's life over the life that is there is the, all they've ever known yeah and they don't understand so now they're looking to you for that and i don't understand yeah. i don't know what's going on right. you know and because we didn't fight we didn't argue we didn't yell and scream it wasn't a relationship yeah. like that so it was it was it's still to this day is mind-boggling to me that someone could go from being the the man that i had on such a pedestal yeah as a great husband and father. And I mean, we both worked, he, he provides, so we were both providers. It's not like, you know, we were completely dependent on him and he was overpressured. It it was just one day he checked out Yeah. and it took about a year and a half before I got to a point where my children, I was okay with them being okay. Yeah. You know, that I felt like they were, they were through the worst of it. Yeah. And they had kind of gotten back into their, their, they had a routine yeah. and it wasn't the, it wasn't the ideal routine. It was the back and forth between two homes and sharing of people yeah. and time and stuff. And, you know, I, it, 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 it and it killed me every time they had to go. It yeah. didn't matter how old they were. I mean, my son was nine and my daughter was 13 at the time. 
That's really hard. You know, and not that there's ever a good time to leave your kids. Sure. But damn it. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, so like for my son, my son's nine. So he's wanting to, you know, this is the time when he wants to go fishing and camping and he wants to do, he wants to play, he wants to do dad stuff. He wants to, my ex wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. I found myself, I, I, became a leader in Boy Scouts. Wow. I hold wood badge. That's so cool. I, I got him. Oh, he didn't earn his eagle. He, he lost interest in it towards the end. It, yeah. does, it doesn't matter, though, because I I saw him go to the adventure camp, the base well, camps and things. Too. I mean, I think that's very you know, creative of you to be like, I will invest in you in this way. That's just what you were saying before, like, about this support. Like, I wanted him to have the people... That, I mean, not to be crass, but there are, I can play mom and dad to a point. Yeah. And there are certain things that I wanted my son to be able to do that I, for one reason or another, would not show him. And the example that I have is when you got to go, you got to go. Boys can pee behind trees. Girls yeah. really can't do yeah. this. <laughs> I wanted my son to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. I can't show him how to do that. Yeah. So selfishly and, and creatively. I'm like, all right, well, how could I get him surrounded by people and friends yeah. that will, that will show him what it is to be a man, Yeah, you know, and then we'll show him the things that I, I could show him how to fish. I could show him how to shoot a gun. I'm thankful. I know how to do those things. Yeah. I had a grandpa and a father that showed me how to do those things. I wanted him to be able to do it, but I didn't want to, I didn't want him to have, have him have to say everything. Oh, well, my mom showed me. Yeah. Because there comes a point where I, I will never forget the day my son asked me not to go to camp with him mm. because it just wasn't cool for mom to be yeah. there. Dad had to be but it, there. And it is cool for you to like honor that. So, so, and I did, and yeah. I did, and I stepped back. I'm like, okay, hon, you know, you do your own thing. But giving him that freedom and giving him that space yeah. was important. And for me, I, I felt like creatively I, I had done what I needed to do to give him the people that he could go to, you know, people yeah. that, that I could trust Helping as a parent, support network. but that he yeah. could trust. And, and there's one gentleman, um, who, he, he was such a savior to my boy and it was like, okay, Stefan, if you can't, if mom can't answer the question, or you don't want mom to answer the question, yeah. call John. Yeah. And, and, John and I had this had this arrangement, and John mm-hmm. has two sons, and and his wife is is fantastic, and they all went to the same elementary school, so he's cool. he'd known my boy from yeah. a very very young age, and it was it was such a comfort to be able to say, you know what, if you don't want to talk to me about yeah. it, call John. Well, that's creative too. I mean, I think about this kind of thing so often, and actually, I was just I was just thinking, my friend told me this little story that is, see, feels like a metaphor to me now. Like, I mean, or something like I just think about it a lot. Like it, it just feels like, like a little parable, but she told me that, um, when she was little, she would get the little nub of her sock, like bothering her little pinky toe and her parents just wouldn't stop and fix it. Like they would just, you know, like we have to keep going and how easy it would have been to just take off her little shoe and just adjust her little sock And then she's fine. And I just think like, that's, I mean, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch to say that's creativity, but like, just think of another salute, like just fix the sock. Yeah. And I think about these things like, you know, I think about my parents and 
I can have a, some, you know, a fair amount of empathy for my parents. They were, I think, both fairly abusive people. But, you know, in their defense, I think they had a child that was not what they were expecting. Like, I think I just was different <laughs> from what they were expecting. And I was very creative and um, an introverted. And I wanted to read and I didn't want to go out and play. And I, I thought about a lot of things and I worried about a lot of things. And I was very sensitive and had a lot of anxiety and my parents, you know, were the cheerleader and the football player and just mm-hmm. were baffled by me. And um, I just think, you know, how how easy would it have been for each of my parents to just think of a friend that they had that was more like me yeah. and just be like, why don't you go spend a day with, you know, Jacqueline or why don't you go, you know, call this person mm-hmm. like it could have been so easy to just fix my little sock you yeah. know like just yeah, no. send and me to a person who can give me that exactly and this is where you know I started to find as an artist and as a mother the silver lining in divorce yeah. and and you know I I look back at it do I regret it all absolutely could I have fixed it? If I, there, I tried for years to fix yeah. it. Years. Even after he was long gone and already married, yeah. tried to fix it. And yeah. and it's just, you know, I, I wasn't the creepy, you know. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. you know, well, you were, the mom in me wanted to fix yeah. it. And, uh, and, the, and the woman in me wanted to understand. And I still to this day don't understand how two people do that to another person. But yeah. let's not digress. Yeah. Let's go back to the art. Yeah. So, so. My kids are doing their own thing, and my daughter's off in the Navy now. This is this is this is about 2013. My son's getting ready to be done with high school, and I had an opportunity. Uh, I, I, I've been drawing my pictures, so my kids, as part of the divorce uh, agreement, were they went for two solid weeks to go be with their dad, and then they were with me for two solid weeks. Okay, and being a hands-on mom, the way I was, being away from them for that amount of time was absolute murder time it was murder psychologically I was the most hateful person to myself that I could have ever been I lost 90 pounds in one year oh my gosh because I didn't eat that was my punishment some people find comfort in food I found comfort in not eating yeah which was bad yeah and but that's what I did that's how I coped initially and then after I got to the point where I could I could see that I was making myself sick. I could feel that I was making myself sick and I had to do something else mm. to keep myself busy while my kids were gone. And cause the house can only be so clean. The dishes can only be right. so put away. So it, it, yeah. it, your house can only yeah. be so perfect. It, it, you know, to a point. So I, I got out a piece of paper and you know, my degree from Westminster is in botanical illustration. Cool. So I, I got used to, you know, here's a flower and you draw that flower exactly, you know, and it needs to look just like that. You know, like it's because that's how a botanical illustration is supposed to be. And, and, you know, I, I went through that at Westminster, by the way, too, thinking I was going to do scientific illustrations. Cool. That, that was interesting to me. I'm like, okay, if I can't be a doctor and I can't really be a scientist, maybe I'll draw for scientists and draw for doctors. Um, But at any rate, I I didn't want to draw those things. I didn't want to draw things anymore. Things didn't make me happy. Color didn't make me happy. So I just, I I had my little bag of, of pencils and stuff and there was a compass in there. And I just, I started drawing circles. Yeah. Circles and circles and circles. And I ended up coming up with a style that 
you know, some people mistake it for like Zentangle and things like that. If you look at my work, that's not what it is. And, um, you know, I ended up creating this piece that was fairly large. It was like 22 by 40. I just did it on my kitchen counter and it was all just black and white, but it was just layers and layers of circles. And, um, a friend of mine said, well, did you know that the, the Arts Council of Indianapolis has a show coming up? It's their self-portrait show. You ought to, you ought to do a portrait. Cool. And I'm thinking to myself, going, I don't want anybody to see me. You know, I, I, who wants to look at this? I mean, yeah. I, I, was, I was still very upset about everything that had gone on. Yeah. And, and I, had, I had very little self-worth. But I'm like, all right. You know, I've got this picture. It's, it's, it, it could be a picture of me. So I'm sitting there looking at this big thing of circles and, and I'm like, how can I make this me? And there was a space right in the middle where I started my first circle where you still have the hole from the compass and the paper. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I can't submit something with a hole in it. So I took a piece of um, gold leaf that I had and I stuck it on there. And I sat and looked at this piece for about two days. And I'm like, that's my heart. Yeah. And so I, I ended up naming the piece the walls around my heart. Mm-hmm. And that was what I submitted to this show. And it was the first time I'd ever submitted anything to any kind of competition like that, wow. especially not a gallery competition. Wow. And they accepted it. Wow. And uh, not only did they accept it, but it was it was selected as um, like people's choice or whatever cool. for the for the awards and things that they were giving out for this thing. And I could could have cared less for the for the award, but what happened was is that the lady's like, "Well, we would like you to come for the opening." And have, and, or excuse me, for the award ceremony yeah. and tell people about your art and where wow. it came from. Wow. And I was like, I don't know that I want to tell people where my art came from. Yeah, this is really so a new. very raw, personal yeah, story. And she's like, just, just tell them what the picture is. Describe yeah. it. Yeah. You say it's walls around your heart. Where's the heart? Where's yeah. the walls? Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I did. Wow. And the piece was successful and the show ended and I took the piece home because I told them it wasn't for sale. And the piece isn't for sale. I still have it to this day. Yeah. And and it's it's framed, it hangs. But it's if you know the story behind this piece, you understand why, you know, I, I don't make a big deal out of it and and it's not for sale. And yeah. it won't ever be for sale. In fact I've told my my current husband who I met in second grade by the way wow. he's, 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 he, little baby sweetheart he was actually God's honest truth he was my first love wow. but what do you do with love in kindergarten yeah. what do you do so with what do you do what do you do what do you do with that so you don't do anything with that you just kind of go oh he's super sweet yeah and we went all through elementary school all through middle school all through high school together not one dance, not one date, nothing. We were always just, he lived around the block. I knew who he was okay, and we were door. friends. Yeah. We were friends. Wow. And he and I actually didn't hook back up until about three years ago. Oh my gosh. And, that's so exciting. And it was fabulous and he's wonderful. Okay. Um, but at any rate, uh, he, so I, I continued to show my work through the arts council and from 2013 up until about two years ago when I started doing bigger, bigger projects and I had to kind of put my gallery stuff on the back burner, um, I was in over 70 shows, wow. um, 13 of which were solo exhibitions. Cool. Um, you know, the style that I've, that I've developed for myself is not one that I really see anywhere else. Yeah. Um, in fact, the only time that I ever see anything even remotely close to it are people that do fractals on yeah. computers. Cool. And all of my work is completely hand-drawn. 
And uh, I've actually been juried out of shows before because they said that they shouldn't have accepted digital artwork. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, not digital. If you sit and look at it and I say on here that it's hand drawn, you know, yeah. I wouldn't enter something that's, you yeah. know, supposed to be one way and wow. not the other. Um, and I've, I've actually received some very nice apologies from people, you know. That and it, goes back to like that Charlotte's Web thing. It does. It does to have, it's weird how things, when you know those stories, how they go full circle. Um, Do you have a connection with Indianapolis because that's where your parents moved? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and I, so my parents moved out there. um, That would be about 90, 96. We were out there in 98. And uh, it wasn't really until I, I got hooked back up with my husband today that, uh, I decided to come back out here to Utah because okay. I was, I was born oh, here. You went out to Indianapolis uh-huh. for a while. Okay. Yeah. Well, I've okay. lived out there for about 20 years. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. And then it wasn't until, so, so like after your divorce, you, you moved there and then. Okay. No, 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 no. Oh. So born and raised here in okay. Utah. Okay. And then I had my daughter here, graduated from college here. And then I went all through school, graduated from college here, then moved to Indiana. Okay. Uh, had my son, my ex-husband and I bought two houses out there, Okay, had most of my jobs out there, really got into, really got back into art out there and made art my profession, um, which is part of the reason why this Moss Project being out in Fishers, mm-hmm. Indiana, that was, it was a friend of a friend who knew the people that were doing this okay. building. Cool. And um, without, without that, you know, I don't know that it would have ever come about, Okay, you know, yeah. but now that I've been in it... Um, making those connections and understanding the, the Muslim community. They're such nice people. Please tell me about that. Let's talk about that now. So yeah, how did it get started? And then I'll have to like link your uh, Instagram and stuff in the show notes, but listeners, you got to check out this project. It's so beautiful, (laughs) but why don't you tell us about it, Jessica? Sure. Sure. So, uh, I live in, my house was in Noblesville, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. And Fishers is another suburb of Indianapolis that's about 10 miles away from where my house was located. And, you know, working in corporate America, I always had, you know, the I, I had a work at home job. Okay. So I was very connected to my farm, my 1860s farmhouse set on four acres as my little silent of solitude. Wow. Um, but I I lived on this this mini farm of sorts and did my art and did my kids and did my job. And when I decided to make art my full-time thing, um, after I had been laid off from my uh, last corporate position, um, I, I was talking to a friend and they're like, well, what, what are you working on? And I explained, you know, some drawings and things that I was doing and some, some contests that I was after. And I was actually getting ready to apply to the art program at Oxford Okay. which is what my plan was going to be um, after my kids were completely out of the okay. house. I was going to yeah. sell my house and move overseas and go to school. Cool. That's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to get a terminal degree in drawing and painting. Okay. And um, they're like, well, if you're going to be around, I know a project that would be perfect for you. And I'm like, well, what would it be? And this person's like, well, it's kind of different, um, but I think you'd be perfect for it. And I can make some introduction. I'm like, what is it? Yeah. And they're like, well, there's a church being built over in Fishers and they need some artwork for it. And I'm like, okay. You know, and I, I was raised Mormon 
Okay. And I've been in many steakhouses. They're, they're, they've got there's not paintings. There's, yeah. there's, there are pictures on walls like you'd go buy in a there store. Are reprints. Yes. yes. And the same like 20. And it's the same. Yes, yeah. it's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, it's not going to be that. And I had converted to the Episcopal faith um, a while back. <laughs> and that's a story all in of itself. So make this fast. My ex-husband wasn't anything. His okay. grandmother, the closest thing he ever got to church she was Episcopal. She rang the bells in the, ch- in the church choir. Cool. He, so he really didn't have any kind of faith at all. My daughter, one day we were driving around and she asked us why some buildings had T's on the top of them. And my ex and I look at each other, we're, gonna, we're still going to get struck down by lightning. My, yeah. Our daughter doesn't even know what a building with a T on the top is. <laughs> so we, <laughs> we wanted to give my children, uh, we wanted to give our children, excuse me, some kind of foundation. It's yeah. like, I don't, faith is, is like art. It's so personal. You know, you should yeah. be able to choose what you want to be and be comfortable with that choice, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And for um, the record. For the record. I, I <laughs> Yes. So, so I'm, I'm not, please yeah. don't hate me. I'm yeah. not bashing on anybody's faith or nothing. No. I just, I, I really think that people should be able to make their own choice when it comes yeah. to stuff like that. But at any rate, I wanted my daughter to have some kind of foundation and granted the T's on the building is a Christian foundation. There are yeah. tons of other faiths that don't revolve around Christianity, yeah. but at any rate, my ex and I both having had a, a Christian background decided that we needed to do something for our, for our kids to give them that foundation. And he didn't want to be LDS. And I had really kind of fallen away from, from the faith. And, you know, we looked around and found a church. Yeah. Okay. okay. Life is good. So, so technically I'm Episcopal at this point. Well, then my friend comes to me with this project and he's like, well, it's, it's for the, it's for the new mosque that's going up. And I'm like, but I'm not Muslim. Yeah. I don't want to be Muslim. I don't know anything about that. And he's like, oh, they don't care. Yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, cool. cool. So I went and... Is there a large like Muslim pop- population there? Not huge. There are about 10,000 people okay. um, in the Indiana area that will, like statewide, that yeah. will use this building. Okay. Um, you know, when you go to Indiana, Indiana is at the top of the Bible Belt. Yeah. So there, there are so many, I mean, like here in Utah, where you have an LDS church, basically on the, the joke was like yeah. every corner. Um, yeah. it's like seven 11. So they're just, they're, really every, they're is, everywhere. Yeah. And, um, out there, there are churches all over the place like that, but they're all different denominations yeah. and it's so much fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, like my, my, my absolute favorites, you know, thinking artistically and loving, you know, I, I got back to a point where I love colors and things. There's a Baptist church that's not too far from the, from the house that I've been living in out in Indiana. And it was the first place I'd ever seen. And I, I don't know how to say this without sounding awful. There were African-American people coming out of this church mm. in the brightest shiniest yeah. neatest clothes I had ever seen it was the stuff you see in movies awful. yeah it's just it's it's not it's not awful it's yeah. just I, I don't want to be you know well, come across like I'm gawking at people but you you see them come out and they're like in zoot suits like yeah. like 19 you know well I think it's like a I mean I don't know if this is your experience but I had a similar I grew up in Arizona in a in a really white city in Arizona mm-hmm. and I went to college in Texas and when I started just I mean even just being at the grocery store maybe and seeing someone in like a sarong, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just like, I would have these experiences like to, to me, it felt like, Oh, there are all these like 
people that yeah. are different from me that I just didn't even behold, you yeah. know? And it, it felt less like gawking, you know, to me, like less, not a gawking, but just like wonder, like <laughs> just wonder at like the, the beautiful variety of people and kind of feeling like, I don't know. I always, I always felt like a sense of kind of instant grief that I hadn't had like, <laughs> you know, whoever these people are in my life, like for longer. Yeah. Yeah. I know. So, but you know, you see these, you see these people coming out of church and they're just dressed in their brightest and best clothes and they just look so fabulous. And, and it was the stuff you see. It's like, I only ever saw that in movies. You know, yeah. I didn't know it was a real thing, yeah. you know, and, and it was big just, hats. Oh, their hats. Oh, big, yeah. Big Church hats. hats. Yeah. Shiny, sh- like shiny, yeah. shiny, like see them from space, shiny shoes. And you know, the, the colors of these clothes that these people wear. I mean, women go to, go to church everywhere, you know, wearing dresses and things that have colorful flowers and stuff. You've seen nothing until you've seen a black woman walk out in a hot pink, like shiny hot pink outfit. And she's rocking this outfit. I mean, we're talking the hat and the dress and the handbag. And I mean, it's from top to bottom. She is on it. Yeah. And, And you just look at it. It's like even the color wow but just to be that put together yeah. is is something fabulous to be yeah, yeah. you know but but at any rate I, I I go in so many different directions and I apologize okay. um but you know artistically I got back to a point where I could look at those things and marvel at them yeah feel that kind of and I still didn't want color in my work I wasn't ready for that yet. And yeah. and the more I, my work, the more I created these pieces um, and, and the more I love the abstract, the organized abstractness of it, um, the less I wanted to put color into it. And yeah. I've since put color into my, into my later works, but the lines are doing it for you. Yes. The lines made me happy and yeah. the organization made me happy and the control made me happy. Um, yeah. When your listeners go and look at my work and they see what I do, it's, it's super controlled. And I think part of that is, is my previous life working in corporate America where things are controlled. I think part of it was my need to control, looking back on it, like needing to control anything in my life when I started to draw again, but then ultimately it evolved and became mine. And I've actually had great compliments where people have, have, tried to coin phrases, you know, like I've got, I've got a friend who is a retired astrophysicist of all things. And he's like, Jessica, you're venison. And I'm like, I'm what? And he's like, venison. I said, it's, it's, it's the breaking apart of two dimensional reality into, you know, I, I, I can't remember the exact thing. It's on my website, but he has this whole methodology wow. of what I am. And this whole new, he's like, this needs to be a whole new artistic you know, genre of just cool. your work. And I'm like, that's awesome, Greg, but you know, what do I do with yeah. it? And he's like, you write that stuff up. You yeah. talk about write that. You book. put, but yeah. going back, but he started to encourage me again. He's cool. like, you need to go be who you are. And this was before you got the mosque gig. Yes. This okay. was, well, this was not too far before, but it okay. was, it was a little bit before Priming those things, but he was giving me the validation that I needed not that I needed validation. Yeah, I just needed confidence. Faith, like, but he was yeah. he was giving me the validation that I needed from not a family member, not a former right. you know, colleague or, or employer. It's just a friend. Yeah. 
And, and it was just a friend who saw more. It was kind of like my mom back in the day where it's like, you have two ways you can look at this. You can either do the book the way the book is presented, or you can do the book the way you want to present the book. Yeah. And I was kind of seeing my life come full circle in this man where he's looking at my work going, you can either present your work as same as everybody else's, yeah. or you can present your work as your own thing. So back to the Moss Project, when I went to interview with the general contractor who was basically spent four years of his life dreaming this building up for his community. Um, you know, I, I took some of my work in there and I'm like, I really, I don't, I had the skill to do this. I don't really have the, the, the experience to do this. And he looked at my work and he's like, you've got it both. You've got what you need to do this. And, And I'm like, and I, don't, I mean, I'm a fast learner. I can research. I can do Islam that way. Said, so, but I'm not Islamic. I don't know. I don't have anybody even remotely close to that. He's like, I'll teach you. Yeah. And and it was that kind of support where I could like, you know what? I'm finally at a place where all the planets have aligned. I have an opportunity that's going to be a paid opportunity. It's an opportunity to do something entirely different. It's an entire opportunity to do something that will last. Most be, artists, and artists be treasured. and be treasured and people as an artist, whether you're a musician or a painter or, or an illustrator, what you want is for your work to be observed or heard yeah. and you want it to last. You want it to mean something, even if it's only for a moment, it needs it to mean like something. It feels like a dream project. Like it's such, it's so beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing to. Oh, it was to, the answer to a prayer. Yeah. It, it, I mean, you can't, you can't have any kind of faith and not not be truthful to yourself and say that you haven't prayed one time or another god please give me that one project that's gonna make you happy that will help me fulfill myself and and this gift that you've given me it's it's such a beautiful thing that like you are developing the style that's yours and then this kind of family of people you know like (laughs) want to welcome you in to do your work in their space like is there just something like really special about that oh it, it, it's, it's it's yes it's very special but it's trust yeah. I mean to have so for what I did it's a 40,000 square foot building and it's a very it, it's a modern building you know they didn't want it so when you think mosque don't think like middle east for this one i mean it's it's got the minarets it's got two minarets which are the big towers on the outside where they do the traditional call to prayer it's got three domes to it it's white and black and gold you know this it, this building is it's just shiny new in every way that you can think about yeah. it and the gentleman who conceived this building and brought it to life his name is hassam and Hassam spent four years dreaming up this building and going places and sourcing materials. I mean, he's got marble from Brazil. He's got wow. tile from Italy. He's got, you know, handmade tiles from Spain. The carpets wow. from Turkey. I mean, this building is fantastic. The whole building's art. The, the whole building is art. And um, but there are there are these three domes, and that was what I was originally contracted to do. Two of the domes are 14 feet in diameter with a four and a half foot recess. Um, the largest dome is 28 feet in diameter with a six and a half foot recess. Oh the 28 footer is 30 feet off the ground. Wow. So it's, it's 
way up there. The other two are about 16 feet off the ground. So for me, artistically, it was a challenge. One, you know, I, my work is t- tends to be large, but not that large. Yeah. Oh you know, most people, most artists don't, I mean, even if you work on big canvases, don't get that big. Well, yeah. And even like a mural is like not curved. Like no, it's mind. It's a bit mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. The curve, the curve part is what throws people, but that the secret to a curve is to not pay attention to the curve. Mm-hmm. The only time you have to worry about a curve when you're doing art is if you have copy on it mm-hmm. or a repeating mm-hmm. pattern yeah. on it. Because then you just have to be mindful of making sure that the the dimensions are right so that it all comes together yeah. as a whole. Right. But when you're actually painting it, I didn't pay attention to the curve at all except not to bump my head. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it and it was it was refreshing. Are you using gold leaf. Real gold leaf, 22 carat. Oh, my gosh. And the reason that you used uh, anything uh, 22 and – no, 18 and above. 18 and above doesn't tarnish. Okay. So were you painting too? Like yes. how did you – what? how did you do it? <laughs> yeah. So basically um, I worked with Hassam. He was the general contractor. And, and he had one particular pattern that was important to him for his family and for this community. And that he's like, this needs to be incorporated in here somewhere. Everything else – can, can be you, but I need this one pattern to be here. And I said, fine. And then he had some Islamic calligraphy, which um, on the mihrab or the prayer niche, which is the, the traditional um, space that points to Mecca. The only, the only reason that this thing is in a mosque is to give the, the worshipers, it's very important that they pray in the right direction. Yeah. And we're not talking just like north, south, east, west. Where no, it's like to the lot. It's to the degree yeah. where, these, where this building is or where this, this space is. Um, and in that space, there's typically um, some calligraphy in there that basically it's, it's, a, it's not so much from the Quran, but it's, it's a quote that basically says, um, God told you, where Mecca is or where, where heaven is and you need to pray in that direction. And this is the direction. Yeah. So, but the calligraphy is fantastic. I mean, yeah. even if you don't know what it says, it's it, the, the, just as an art form, it's just beautiful. Yeah. So um, he gave me that. And then at the top of the largest dome, there was some calligraphy that is from the Quran um, that basically says, point your eyes to heaven because that's the only place you should look, yeah. um, in a nutshell. But uh, that calligraphy was very specific, and it's actually found in many mosques throughout the world. And and then they have different varieties. Like you'd have English, you can say the same thing different ways. Um, you'll see the calligraphy presented differently, but the essential message is the same. Cool. Um, but at any rate, so he gave me those things, gave me this one pattern, and said, go for it. So my initial... Um, work on the mosque was to come up with the scale renderings for these three these three domes. And as I got things going and he realized that I could do them much faster than he expected me to be. I don't know what his expectation was, but he's yeah. like, dang, you're fast. Yeah. I'm like, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. He's like, well, I think we're going to have time to do some other things. So here's the gymnasium. Cool. What could we oh do in the gym? So I decorated the gym. The gym is decorated in 22 karat gold. Okay. I mean, this building is, is crazy. Um, and it's not like they had just money they raised $8.8 million yeah, over the like, course of five precious. years. It's it is treasured. Th- this community yeah. raised them. There was no money borrowed, That's nothing. Beautiful. They, they raised all the money for this. So, um, so we did the gymnasium and then, uh, I had these domes. I had the designs for that done. Those were all approved, but because of COVID, 
they had supply chain shortages. Mm. They had timing issues. So things that I was supposed to, so the drawings were started in June. I was supposed to start painting in October. They didn't even have windows and walls until December. Wow. So, uh, and at that point, you know, I had signed myself exclusively onto this contract. So I was not able to take on additional work and be true to the agreement that I signed with this man. So I... So last year, you talk about being a starving artist. I made $10,000. That was my total income last year. So I lived on my savings and things for the most part because I was true to my word. I told him I wouldn't do other things and I didn't, but I paid the price for it. Yeah. And, um, you know, a a lot of people like, well, you were stupid to do that. And I'm like, yeah, in hindsight, maybe I should have negotiated things differently. But at the time I was so excited as an artist yeah, to have this it's opportunity, an project. I was going to do what I needed to do to get it. Right, right, right. And and that's what I did. So, um, you know, so come December, I'm like, you know, Hasama, I need I need something to do. Yeah. You know, and he's like, well, what do you propose? And I'm like, you've got all these really cool windows. You know, what if we just did a, a frosted pattern or something cool or an etched pattern uh, in the top? arches because he, he wanted the, the building is positioned on a really pretty piece of property that has a lot of very mature trees and things around it and he didn't want anything in the windows to obscure the view and I'm like well if we just did the little arch on the top you know we could do that and so he liked the idea and I came up with the design and I spent the next month and a half um, hand cutting and hand frosting 28 windows throughout this building wow. um, and it's, re- it's really really pretty because it doesn't even even on a really bright sunny day, it still lets the light through, but yeah. it's all diffused. Yeah. But because there's clear spaces in the glass too, it lets it in with neat patterns and things all wow. over the floor. So it's almost, it's not, stained glass windows would not be a good comparison, but it's kind of like when you have that light come through and it's just making the, the it, it just dances all it around. It just makes a neat, peaceful yeah. ambiance. Um, and then it wasn't until first part of February, and actually no, it's the middle part of February, that's why I, like, I, I remind myself for the date that was on the paint that I bought. Yeah. It was like the, like the 18th or 19th of February was when the domes were actually ready to be painted. Yeah. So between, but they wanted to be open for Ramadan, which is April. Oh my gosh. So I basically had from mid middle part of February to the end part of March to get all of this finished. And my son uh, is not, you know, he doesn't profess to be an artist, but he like, he has an aptitude for laying things out. Wow. So I'm like, all right, I need slave labor and, yeah, and you're, un- you are unemployed. So you, now you're going to come work with mom. And he was, he was gracious and came and worked with me and it cost me a car for him. But you know, we, yeah. uh, we, seems, we made it, we made it right. Fair. So it's, it's yeah. not, yeah. So it's not, it wasn't slave labor, but, but he, <laughs> it, it cost me, yeah. but, but he helped me get things done. So he, he was, it was, the, the time with him was priceless though. Oh, I, I got three great. months with my boy at 19 yeah, wow. that, you know, most parents, you, you can't find your children at 19, yeah. let alone have, you know, eight hours a day with That's them. That's really precious. So at any rate, um, you know, we decorated the gym, we decorated the windows. Um, when I finally got around to doing the domes, um, all of those designs were, were already approved from the previous summer. So all I had to do was um, execute and, uh, but what I found out about halfway through this first dome was that the chandeliers had been pre-ordered and that he had ordered chandeliers that complemented the design that I came up with. Mm. So, um, the designs couldn't be modified in any way, shape or form. Mm. And, um, this was true for the largest dome too at 28 feet. And 
it was okay. Because if you go look at what I made, it looks just like the picture was supposed to be. So that was, that was my challenge was making something that looked just like the picture. But yeah, it was all um, just architectural gray paint, like the stuff you'd buy at Sherwin-Williams. There was nothing fancy about the paint. The gold was 22 carat. Um, It was all hand applied, hand painted, you know, nothing fancy. I didn't spray anything. It was all done with brushes. Um, and it was all flat paint there. So there's no shine to it whatsoever. Wow. Cool. But yeah. Um, will you just talk a little bit more about like, you know, just what it meant to be kind of part of this community for a time? Like, you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about, you know, just in this project and in my other projects is, you know, how are the ways that art can kind of like help us understand each other better and, you know, bring us together. And I'd love to hear you talk about Oh, that. sure. I mean, these people were so excited. They had gone from, uh, when they first opened their community, they were in basically a strip mall. They, they rented space in a strip mall. And then as their community grew and as the whole area grew, um, you know, they kind of graduated from one space to another. But they had been stuck in, um, I don't even know how to describe it. It, it, it would be like for people who who live around here, like half the size of a regular of a regular meeting house, you okay. know, maybe maybe ten thousand square feet, not nothing nothing major, you know, they're they're the building lacked, you know, anything that would say it was a mosque. So yeah. you know, they they had the bare basics that they needed inside to do what they needed to do for their religion. So this mosque was huge for them. This was their opportunity to not only have a dedicated place of worship that had all the bells and whistles to it, but was something that was large enough that they could accommodate um, people that were traveling, you know, through Indiana and needed a place to worship, people that were on pilgrimages. I didn't know that the Muslim community did that, you know, aside from going to Mecca, which is one of the pillars of Islam. um, You know, they have people that travel from mosque to mosque as just part of their faith and and meeting new people and doing new things. Um, They'd never had that before. So this was an opportunity for them to really have a space where they could worship and and participate openly and welcome others to participate openly in all of the activities that are important to Islam. And um, I didn't understand. Actually, I, I did understand. I didn't completely appreciate the amount of prejudice and misunderstanding, even in the community that I had lived in for 20 years there in Indiana, that I thought was pretty opening and welcoming to everybody. Mm. And I, it wasn't until I actually had to experience, um, we were a target and I was there with a couple of the women from the mosque and they were in full hijabs and I was in my typical jeans and a t-shirt and we were just getting something for lunch. Yeah. You know, nothing. We were just in shopping. No yeah. biggie. We went and got Starbucks, which was also in there. And there was a woman and a couple of her uh, adult friends started making snide comments about, you know, oh, are you sure you can get Starbucks? Are you sure you're supposed to have that? Jeez. You know, and and we didn't really think any. I mean, we all heard them, but we didn't really acknowledge that. We took our drinks and we went to go and get you know, we were just going to go over to the deli and get some sandwiches and stuff for lunch. And we're busy looking through it. And these same women, for whatever reason, 
came up and started rifling through all of the sandwiches and things too right next to us. I'm like, oh, that one has bacon on it. You can't have any of that. Oh, well, this one has turkey on it. Are you guys sure you're supposed to eat meat? I mean, just making comments that were so negative, yeah, but also so far off and left field. It's like, and- yeah, it's just like, this is so unnecessary. And the two women that I was with just sat there and took it. And I'm not really the kind of person to call people out. You know, I'm, I'm more one to be an introvert and ignore and just, you know, you do you and I'm just going to ignore you. I, I, it bothered me to a level that I, it was almost like when somebody picks on your kids, yeah. you know, and it's like, I'm not going to stand there and let you pick on my kids. I don't care who you are. And I'm sitting there and this lady is busy making these little snide comments. And I'm like, I'm like, do you hear yourself? And I think that's how I started. I want to say, it's like, do you hear yourself? Do you stop and think about what you're saying before you say it? And she's like, excuse me. Yeah. And I'm like, no, excuse you. Yeah, seriously. You know, yeah. I, I, I said, I said, you know, I've been sitting here listening to everything you've been saying basically since we left Starbucks and we came over here, you know, and it's been five minutes. I said, but those five minutes have been probably the most hurtful five minutes that I've been a part of, you know, in months. Yeah. And she's like, oh. you know, she was just appalled that I would think that what she was saying was she? bad. And I'm yeah. just, I'm like, you don't know these people. Yeah. You know, they're, what gives you the right? Yeah. But at any rate, back to the, the art part with this building, you know, these people are beautiful and they just want to worship like anybody else wants to worship. And the yeah. fact that they would have somebody like me who is not Muslim, who told them flat out, you know, I'm like, I will be respectful. And if you need me to cover my head and things, I will. But I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to wear the same clothes that you do. And I'm not going to keep the same hours that you do. And, you know, if you need me to leave while you guys do prayers, that's fine. I'll respect that. I'll, I can disappear for a little while. They didn't ask me to do any of those things. Well, They're like, no, no, you just, you, you we're just happy. You're, you we're are. happy you're here. We're happy yeah. you're doing this. That's we're happy to have so you lovely. as part of our building. And I told them, you know, they asked me at the end, you know, what I was most thankful for. And I'm like, I'm leaving a piece of my soul here with people who I know are going to take care of it. That's so beautiful. And that was basically what I left them with. You know, when they asked me to, to make my remarks when they opened the building to the world, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I will come back here and visit you guys from time to time. I said, but I'm leaving, my, I'm leaving a piece of myself, a big piece of myself yeah. here. You know, I mean, there were many 16-hour days for months and months and months trying to help them get this place ready for Ramadan. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I'm like, I'm leaving my art. I'm leaving my design. I'm leaving my time. I'm leaving my son's time. I'm leaving my skill and my expertise with you in good care and keeping yeah. for as long as you'll have it. Yeah. You know, and, really and, lovely. and I'm like, I can't ask for that. I said, yes, this was a, this was a job for me. Yeah. But it was so much more than a job. Really precious. You know, and I I, I got to, you know, we, we weren't finished with the largest dome um, before Ramadan was over. But the neat thing for me for that was that they they weren't able to be in what they call a masala, which is the main prayer area where the, the big dome and the, the prayer nation things are. And they would just close those doors at night and the men worshipped in the gymnasium and the women worshipped in the main area where the other two domes were and those were finished and um 
I was actually able to listen to all the prayers and listen to all the worship and things just while I while I worked oh at night. God. And it was so cool because these people would finish with their with their prayers and they'd come in and look and they'd marvel at everything and they'd they would always say thank you. Oh. There were people every night for Rama for a whole month. I saw the same people and they said the same things every night they came through about how happy they were and how excited they were and how beautiful it all was. And that was payment enough. If I didn't need the money to live, that would have been payment enough. Yeah, of course. And, And that's creatively, that was such a huge reward it's kind of like what it's all about isn't it it is it is and and you know to to think that not only will my work live on and be something that people see hopefully long after I'm gone you know the thought that somebody you know young or old might look at what I did and even think I could do that yeah is is so cool and I've had people ask me would you give us art lessons would you show us how you did what you did absolutely yeah, absolutely. I would love to. So, you know, I'm I'm actually going back in August cool. to, you know, give uh, lessons on um, Islamic geometry cool. and, and geometric drawings and things. Wow. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, well, I think we've talked about a lot of wonderful things. I'm feeling very inspired. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to say? I, ha- I have a couple of questions that I always ask everybody at the end, but before that, is there anything else that you want to say about art, about creativity, about, you know, just how to kind of follow your creative life? Just anything else that's kind of been on your mind. That I you was going to say, okay, that's, I'm, thank you. All right. So thinking of my own life and, and how things have played out for me, listen to your mom, you know, whatever it is. your mom has lots of good things to say, even if you don't completely agree with it all, Mm. you know, listen to your parents um, and, and and encourage them to be constructive. If they're not giving you the support that you need, tell them how they could help you better. Yeah. Because, you know, my father's gone. I can't talk to him anymore. Um, You know, but if I could go back and, you know, thinking on all those conversations where he was telling me that, you know, art wasn't the way to, to get what I wanted in life, where I needed to be in life, you know, because business was what he knew. Um, it would be nice to be able to go back and say, teach him, you know, dad, all your points were very valid, but there are other ways to do things. I have some wisdom that you could use. Yes. Yes. And I would love to have that conversation with him. Um, you know, don't ever let, it's all perspective. If art is what you want and art is what makes you happy and fulfills you, then pursue that. Mm-hmm. There are so many things, especially in today's society, there are so many things that you can do and be, you don't necessarily have to do video games or yeah. anime or manga or any, you don't have yeah. to do the mainstream stuff. Be yourself. You know, if if, yeah. if the galleries aren't responding to you, keep going. You know, they're out there. They will, somebody, the right person will be there to listen to you and they will appreciate what you have and what you want to share. And they will help you get there. Do that. You know, people like you, Emily, you know, it's, it's make those relationships, make those connections and, and find ways to collaborate, find ways to, 
you know, offer yourself to somebody. You know, Emily, yeah. you, know, you you just dropped a new album. You know, yeah. do you need do you need cover art? Do you need you know totally. wh- what what can I do to help yeah. you that would also help me? I couldn't agree more. I I think yes, like just seeing the world as like a place that can be flexible, seeing like where there can be beautiful things. How can I support the people around me? How can I treasure like these gorgeous individuals Mm -hmm. doing these amazing things? And I also just feel like, you know, choosing to be creative and choosing to create beauty or, or to create complication, you know, to Mm -hmm. create kind of disruption, you know, whatever it is that you're kind of inspired to do. It's such an, it's such, I was saying this with another one of my guests recently, like it's, it's almost like just an act of kind of like defiance, like, Mm -hmm. like just, we, we can, we can do things differently. We can make a new perspective. We can kind of change and evolve and I don't know. Yeah. It's can be powerful stuff if you want it. To oh, be. absolutely. And and don't be, af- I mean, I spent years and years not being ashamed of my art, but just not being confident enough to put it out there. And I look at some of the opportunities that I've had, like I participated in, um, Indiana university and Purdue university, um, has a program called religion, spirituality, and the arts. And it's a, it's a seminar. It only lasts for a month. And, and what they do is they pick a topic from the Bible. And in my case, it was the story of Cain and Abel. And what you do is it's not so much Bible study, but you go in and you look at how that story has been told throughout time. Mm. And you can actually find that story in ancient Egypt. Wow. That story is actually carved in the walls in the pyramids. Wow. You can find it. Um, and I didn't know that. So, I mean, it was, um, the, um, the story of Amadeus. Do you ever see the movie Amadeus? About I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm familiar with it. That is the story it, but... of Cain and Abel. Okay, cool. If you sit and look at it. Wow. So you, you, you learn, you learn different things like that. But at the end of the thing, um, as an artist, and they have visual artists, performing artists, poets, musicians, cool. all sorts of people from all different walks of life, um, are asked to create a work of art to that story to carry it on and, and, uh, tell it the way that they interpret it. And I drew a picture. Um, it was in two parts. One side was Cain, one side was Abel. I had my geometric stuff in the middle. I had a whole sorts of filigree stuff on the outside and, and it was success. I was a success and I was very happy with it. Well, I shared that and a friend of mine who works for Pearl Drums, he saw that and said, we have a creative opportunity to put artwork on wow. our masterwork series. I think this would be fantastic. Awesome. So because I shared, and I guess you know, to, to yeah. your, to your you know, end of the podcast here, share your work. Yeah. Whatever, it, be proud of it. Share your best work. Share the work that you are, that you would stand up and say, yes, I raised my hand. I did this. Yeah. Share your work and be proud of it. And share it with as many people as you can as you can find yeah. to look at it, because you never know who's going to see it and what they might be able to do with it creatively. Totally. So my friend, who is also in the same kindergarten class from wow, <laughs> Wait, this is the drum friend, uh huh, from cool. from Willow Canyon Elementary School. Oh my gosh, um, he works for Pearl Drums and has for many years. Cool. And he was he's in their marketing department. He's like, we have an opportunity to put art on our drums i'm looking for a concept piece to to prove to prove my stuff to the guys oh in gosh. japan so dream. he asked me if i had a high resolution picture or file for this picture i'm like yeah sure and he sent it to his contacts in japan and they absolutely loved it and said great how do we get this 
on here. That's and so cool. I, I received no money for it. Wow. I did it for the exposure and just for the fact that I've got my stuff on Pearl that's Drums. freaking cool, man. It is freaking that's cool. Really cool. That, and that's how I look yeah. at it. I'm like, okay, I'm doing my friend a favor and I've got something freaking cool. When, when are those going to be available? I would love to see it. They, it's actually, they, uh, they were released out. in 2019. Oh my gosh. They were, they were uh, debuted at NAMM. Uh, which is the big yeah. music conference in yes, there right? They, yes, Nam, yeah. Well, now it was the one in the in, in San and it was in Anaheim. Oh, that's right. When Nam they were here, moved, I'm thinking of Pasic, which is the drum. Thing. Okay, yes, yeah, no, this in, this was just this was like yeah, the Na- overall Nam music is, thing. I think Nam is always in California. They Maybe Cali- it moves around. It's in California, and I want to say they have. I think there's one. I think there's actually one in Toronto or something like cool. that. Yeah. But at anyway, any, yeah, but at sorry. Any rate, but like no, 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 you're music, good. New music show. But at, at any rate, um, it was debuted at NAMM in 2019. They renewed the license in 2020 and re-released it. Um, cool. And, you know, it's, I, I've, I, there's some neat pictures on my website. Um, awesome. My husband's a drummer. He'll be, he'll know. I it. told him last night, I was like, I'm interviewing this super cool artist tomorrow. And he's like, what does she do? And I was like, I, I filmed, um, I had, I mastered my, or was mixing my new album all last week, 40 hours in the studio. And then between Saturday and Sunday filmed 12 short music videos. Um, and so I got home last night and was very tired and forgot to tell him, I forgot to pull up pictures. I was like, after we eat dinner, I'll pull up pictures, but I forgot, but he'll be so excited to hear about this. Oh yeah. I know. I mean, uh, I've got, I forget his name, but his first name's Omar. Uh, he was like the, the drummer for the tonight show for forever. Your, your husband yeah. will know who he yeah, is, yeah. but I met him at NAMM and cool. he's, I actually have pictures with him standing at my drums awesome. and it was, it's, awesome. but I, I guess to, to all your listeners, if you're an artist or a creative, share, yeah. share yourself, share your work. Don't always look at it as a, you know, monetarily what's in it for me. Right. Look at it, you know, like the relationships that you're building through this podcast. Yeah. Look at it as an opportunity to meet new people, hear about their stories and experiences, and then creatively find ways that you can maybe, you know, maybe it just helps them. Maybe it helps the both of you. You know, yeah. but maybe whatever it just gives you an idea. Maybe it just gives you, know? you an idea, exactly. Yeah. And you know, kind of like the thing with with the mosque that I did. You know, I never aspired to do work for a church or for Islam, but at this point, I've got three other projects going on. Yeah. You know, from from because the people that were doing the mosque and fishers, they were actually to the point where they could not find artists. They were looking to bring somebody in from the Middle East. Wow. with experience because they, they couldn't find an artist here in the U.S. Like the whole of the, like you couldn't find anybody oh in the gosh. whole of the U.S. to do this. And, and That's crazy. they told me yes. Yeah. So, you know, I was flattered. I'm still, I still don't believe that. I know that there are tons of artists here in the U.S. Yeah. that could do this, but, um, you know, being that person and, and being successful at what I did for them has enabled me to make contacts within a community that I religiously don't belong yeah but these people respect me for what i'm able to do and for what i've done and they want the same for their communities i'm so like enamored with this idea of like this mutual gratitude (laughs) like this gratitude that they're having for you creating beauty in their space and the gratitude that you're having for them for like letting you make beauty in their Mm -hmm. space it's so beautiful it's like such a it's such a beautiful I don't know. It's just like very human, you know? It is. And, and and the rewards that I've received for that connection, for that humanity have, have 
help me get to the next place. And as an artist, you know, again, looking back on, you know, my decision to follow corporate America versus my art, you know, if, if I had had that confidence and that, that knowledge that, yeah, I might have to work at it a little bit harder, but I could still get there and I can do it doing the things that I love to do yeah. and not the things that, you know, people just need, yeah. you know, that I can still get there. And, you know, I had my first post go viral on LinkedIn when cool. I posted my finished pictures. It got to like 210,000 views. I'd never, ever had that before for mm. my art. But the connections and the and the exposure that that made, it was mostly people, say, you know, congratulating me in Arabic yeah. for praising God and for, for helping this community. Yeah. That was their thanks. Their thanks That's wasn't like, how cool your art is. Their thanks yeah. was, look what you've done for these people. Yeah. And isn't that, doesn't that feel kind of defiant? Like, especially just, it's making me feel like teary, but like in a world that's just like so divided and, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much like us and them and other, like, it's just this like little flicker of like, we're a we, you yeah, know? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, I, I can't explain how, wonderful it felt to be so welcome and to have basically an instant family of people that were happy to have me there wanted me to be included you know loved what I was doing loved my contributions because these people would come in and if they had no nothing other than to offer to you know wipe the floors or clean the glass yeah they were happy to do it it's like this kind of bond like yeah that's really precious. You know, and, and there were some, you know, when I was busy gilding the ceilings, you know, we've got 22 karat gold ceilings throughout this building, you know, putting all that gold on is one leaf at a time. There's mm-hmm. no automating it. Um, that was one of the things about this whole process that, that really people expected me to, it was like, you know, do, do you use a spray gun? Yeah. You don't spray gun this stuff. You know, yeah. this is just but with a brush. This is gold. This yeah. is gold. This, this is, is actual gold. You don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and. The, just the, the people that genuinely didn't understand the process at all, yeah. you know, was it was fun to educate them. There were yeah. educational opportunities. So it's really perspective, Yeah, I think, is going to be the, the biggest takeaway for all of this. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all a matter of perspective and appreciating that perspective is different for everybody. Yeah. And it's different at every level for everybody. And as an artist, you need to be proud of what you do in your space and at your level and for your work but you need to appreciate and never lose sight of the fact that everybody's going to see it differently and not everybody's going to like what you do and that's okay that's for them that's not for you yeah you know and if if you run into those people and they happen to be the more vocal type who are yeah. They've got it in them to tell you that they don't like it. Yeah. Smile and nod, yeah. acknowledge them it's not for you and yeah. walk away and, and say thank you yeah. and leave. And the world's a big place. Yeah. Chances are you'll probably never see that person again. Right. Yeah. You know, That's true. go find the people who are going to be your champions. Yeah. And you just don't know where you're going to find those people. And, and you keep have, your eyes open. Exactly. Yeah. Keep your eyes open. Keep, keep your heart your, open. Keep your heart open yeah. and be willing to give. Yeah. And know that in your heart, that that giving won't always manifest itself monetarily. Yeah. But the rewards that you'll get are often worth more than any yeah. money that you would ever I think receive. That's true. Yeah. So, ugh. Okay. At the very end of the podcast, I always ask everybody the same question, which is on this day, what's your dream collaboration? And it could be, I always say, like, you could, cl- you work by yourself. So you could say the collaboration could be with a, another. T- 
type of space or, you know, just, or what's your dream project? My dream project. I mean, this is the church that I just did is, is my, is my sister, is my Sistine chapel. So I've kind of got my Sistine chapel. You did it. I've got, I've got my pearl drums. I've, I've met, I've met some pretty famous people that way. I worked for finish line for a number of years. Uh, as their director of loyalty marketing, and I actually got to meet Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Cool. So I, I've rubbed shoulders with. So I've, I've, I've finding the things that are on like you know the dream list are are. I've already checked You've off got a, a bunch lot of, of those. Gratitude for those things. I yeah. think a, I think a lot of what I want to do next is, uh, I've always wanted to. I've always wanted to illustrate a book, um, like not a coffee table book, but a book that is that like Dante's Inferno, Wow! you know, something where it's an epic story, oh my Gosh, you should do that, but it's pictures. Yeah. You know, and you don't I really need buy that immediately. <laughs> Thank that you. sounds so cool. You know, but to, to, to illustrate a book like that and, and either self-publish it or publish it through a, a publishing company, uh, that's definitely something that I would love to collaborate with somebody on. You know, so if you have a story or it you need cool pictures for, yeah. I would love to do that. Um, you know, another thing that, that I would love to do would be to collaborate on, um, you know, just additional, I really like doing sacred spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I get a lot of reward out of that. Um, you know, and I would, I would like to, I would like to, to see myself do other denominations. Cool. You know, uh, and I actually have a potential for an opportunity for a Catholic cathedral that's in the works, but you know, that there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, businesses that are very, very well known for that kind of work. Mm. Um, but you never know. So if the opportunity to even stand in front of somebody and give them my elevator speech about why I would be great for it comes about, I will do it. That's awesome. Um, I love that answer. Okay. And then finally tell everybody where to find your work. Um, you can find my work on Instagram at Hancock studio arts. Um, you can find my work online at, uh, jhancockart.com. Um, and you know, you're always more than welcome to, you know, link through you know, Emily's podcast notes, uh, send me an email, Great. just, you know, however, it's, I, I'm, <sighs> I'm open to, I'm open to just about anything. Jessica, this has been such a joy for me today. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming and talking with me. Oh, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> and I, I, I am thrilled that we were able to make hey, it work. Thank I'm you so like, much. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.